Watch this cursed event. You can find me on Twitter at Liliorum. Hi, I'm Gina. I made the error of moving back to Europe right before Worlds in Japan. You can find me on Twitter at Jorge Twizzles. Hi, I'm Kite, and I sacrificed both my health and my sanity to watch Worlds live. You can find me on Twitter at Mossy Zinc. Hey, it's Kat, and like all the Americans here, I've also basically been suffering through jet lag to watch figure skating, and you can find me on Twitter at Kat Tweets with no E's. Well, before we can get into talking about the competition, we must address the allegations against Mariah Bell. We'll be discussing the Unsu Lim and Mariah Bell situation and the reactions surrounding it. If you would like to skip this section, you can refer to the time codes in the description of the episode to navigate to the next segment. The facts of this situation between Unsu and Mariah. During Mariah's run-through in practice, she hit Unsu in the leg with her skate blade. Unsu then left practice in pain for treatment. And then Unsu's management company, All That Sports, filed a report with the Korean Skating Union, alleging that Mariah had deliberately hit Unsu, considering that she had been bullying Unsu for months, and asked KSU to file a complaint with the U.S. Figure Skating Association. And in response, ISU released a statement the following day claiming that there was no sufficient evidence that Mariah intended to harm Unsu. Subsequently, USFSA extended an apology to Unsu on behalf of Mariah to the Korean Skating Union and Unsu's management company accepted the apology on Unsu's behalf. And at the time of this recording, there is no update on whether Mariah personally reached out and apologized to Unsu yet. So unfortunately, due to the Japanese Skating Federation's strict no-camera policy during practices, we don't actually have a lot of footage of what happened. Um, what we do know from the one video we do have it shows Mariah going through her um, short program run-through and Unsu is skating by the boards with her back to Mariah and Mariah is skating forward. And Unsu is in Mariah's peripheral just stroking along the boards and Mariah hits her and keeps on skating. And it's unknown whether Mariah knew at the time that she had hit Unsu as she was skating by. A variety of skaters have spoken upon Mariah's behalf, including Adam Rippon, Ashley Wagner and Megan Duhamel. Raphael Artonian, the coach of both Unsu and Mariah, has also spoken up on Mariah's behalf, claiming the allegations of bullying are false. The incident has reached international audiences who don't follow figure skating, with reports showing up on local news reports and articles. Well, first and foremost, regardless of what was true and what was false, the level of outrage and actions taken by people on both sides are truly, truly horrific. I saw so many people blaming Unsu for the collision, blaming Unsu for the report, blaming Unsu for the entire situation. And that attitude is not okay at all. Unsu is a 16 years old, and we haven't even heard a statement from her directly. Until we actually know what she has to say, I don't think it's acceptable that people are placing blame on her. On the flip side, we also have people attacking Mariah all across social media to the extent that she was receiving death threats. Yes, these allegations are heavy, and I hope that if there is any truth to them, that they will come to light, but two wrongs do not make her right. And honestly, it makes it harder for people to come to Unsu's defense when we have all these other people sending threats to Mariah. Now, based on the video that we saw, 
as well as other versions of the run-through that Mariah had done of the program in other competitions, she typically doesn't go as close to the boards, and she is fully capable of moving out of the way for other skaters. I just find it really weird, though, that Mariah didn't seem to have any reaction at all to hitting her. Like, if you struck your foot on something, you would definitely know, and at least you'd like look back and check or be like, wait, what? And I'm not saying that Mariah hitting Unsu wasn't like an accident. It might have been an accident. I I I don't know. But the fact that she didn't even react to it that just tells me that something might be going on behind the scenes, or at least the claims that there is something going on behind the scenes feel more credible now. Yeah, because you see in practice collisions in other cases that it's considered good etiquette, or at least convention to at least check up on the skater that you collided with like for example when Vanessa James and Matteo Garise collided in the six minute warm-up like right before they were going to skate their short programs Matteo actually like caught Vanessa and like made sure she was okay before he skated off to rejoin his partner and you've seen this in collisions involving other skaters as well so it's very concerning to me the fact that Mariah didn't even check her speed or like slow down or even look back at least as was indicated in the video to see if she had hit Unsu, because Unsu like basically doubled over immediately because it made like a pretty like deep cut in her leg. So it was just very I don't I don't really understand how she didn't realize that she had hit her or why she didn't at least slow down. It's not even just hitting people too, even just any kind of distraction to another skater. You usually see, for example, when I was at Four Continents and Shoma was doing his short program run through during his step sequence and he overshot his knee slide and kind of collided with the boards really close to Jason and almost hit him, you kind of saw Shoma stopping being like, sorry about that, and then move on, you know? It's not like he just ignored it or went out of the way. Like, he kind of acknowledged it. They, they all kind of laughed about it, made sure everything was okay, and then moved on because, you know, that's just... That's just normal etiquette. I also find it really concerning that the knee-jerk reaction to a young person filing a report of bullying or other mistreatment seems to be to turn around and call her a liar. This is the second recent instance of the US skating community displaying open scorn towards a person making a report of poor conduct and that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. My attitude towards these kinds of reports being made is that we have to take them seriously. And there is a reason why the person making the report feels like they're being mistreated. Whether or not any unacceptable behavior actually occurred should be assessed with sensitivity towards the 16 year old girl who is now injured and apparently feeling unsafe. I don't know whether or not it's true that Mariah was bullying Unsu, but I do believe that there is something about that training environment that is making Unsu feel unhappy and that needs to be properly addressed. I agree and I was telling this to someone else but there is something that feels so wrong about this just because it's so hard to call someone out for being cold to you. You can call out actions but sometimes there's there just might sometimes be a feeling of coldness in an environment that you can't really explain but then if you bring it up then people can just easily deny and be like I didn't do anything to you and so that's why it just makes me super uncomfortable that people are just flat out being like 
no, nothing's wrong and brushing it under the rug because this isn't something that people can see all the time. Like it might just be like a feeling that someone has and you know, it might be an overreaction, but either way, it should be taken seriously. Again, um, the Korean Skating Union and UNSU's agency both claim that this has been a pattern of what they called bullying on Mariah's part. They didn't really specify what the bullying really entailed. And so we don't know the extent of the claims, and obviously we have no way of assessing their validity. But it is important to bear in mind that anything that they could potentially gain from lying about harassment, as some people have believed them to be doing, is pretty far outweighed by the potential consequences towards the career of a young skater from a very small federation who is training with a coach in one of the world's largest federations. Like, they have way more to lose from fabricating a situation like this than they could ever hope to gain from seeking publicity with false accusations. That's just something to keep in mind, in my opinion. I do believe that the KSU will be gathering evidence after now that Worlds is done and will hopefully be submitting that to the ISU at some point in the future. So hopefully we'll gain more clarity about the situation um, as the weeks go on. Finally, the behavior on the part of prominent members of the skating community has been truly reprehensible. There have been skaters and other prominent voices with large social media presences who have seemingly attacked fans for providing translations, which was later clarified. But um, at the time of this recording, there's been no apology made to the fans who translated Korean articles just detailing the fact that there were allegations made. Unsu's coach has gone to the press and said that there's been no incidences of bullying and there have been skaters like Ashley Wagner and Adam Rapon going out of their way to shield Mariah from scrutiny. Um, Ashley Wagner gave an interview about the situation, basically saying that Mariah didn't do anything wrong. And then Adam Rapon's mom also uh, posted something on Instagram citing a collision between Adam and Patrick Chan um, and saying that basically, you know, incidences like this are accidents and you're overreacting if you think that it's anything more. And then there was a Twitter conversation um, between Larkin Ostman, who skates for Canada, and Megan Duhamel, who uh, used to skate for Canada, talking about their practice collisions um, and citing them as proof, basically, that Mariah didn't intend any harm to Unsu. And then there have been other skaters like Michelle Brezhna who have propagated these claims by retweeting them on social media. Again, this kind of knee-jerk reaction to completely disbelieve the claims of the accuser is rather concerning it's just such a tone-deaf response it screams i didn't see it and therefore it didn't happen and these these are all people that are pretty far removed also from the situation like larkin and megan duhamel they don't train at that rink they don't train they're not even u.s skaters like why would they think it's appropriate to be commenting like this about a 16-year-old girl who feels unsafe in her own rink. It doesn't make any sense Who was injured. Yeah, and injured. Um, And she didn't get any apology. And also, what also drives me nuts is that a lot of these skaters have, like, said, like, oh, I've had practice collisions. They happened. We apologized and moved on. The difference is, like, an apology happened, and that is one of the key issues. So I don't understand the argument that a lot of these skaters are making. And on social media, too. Like, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem right. There were people dismissing. Because initially, the articles that came out about the situation were all in Korean. 
So people were dismissing the claims because Korean sources weren't considered quote-unquote reliable enough. And then it turned out that one of the biggest articles that had come out was basically from Yonhap, which is Korea's like AP News. And then the very next day, Japanese and U.S. sources started picking up the story and circulating it more. And then there was a lot of backtracking where people were like, oh, maybe, you know, there is something that is at least worthy of being discussed here. But I think just in terms of the social media response to this, the skating community as a whole could really benefit from just re-examining the responsible use of their social media platforms in situations like these and realize that while there may not be any malicious intent behind what they say, there are a variety of ways in which their words can be perceived to be disregarding the fact that a 16-year-old girl feels uncomfortable in her training environment and sustained an injury before the biggest competition of her season. I mean, on that note, it is also worth just pointing out that there have been attacks made towards both Mariah and Unsu, going all the way up to death threats. And this is completely unacceptable behaviour. Whether Mariah did any bullying, sending her death threats and harassing her on social media is not helpful to the situation. And even if Unsu is lying, she does not deserve death threats on social media. Fans also really need to re-examine their use of social media and how they respond to these kind of situations. And regardless of whether these claims are true or not, something sparked in Sue to feel that she was being bullied, that to feel that she is uncomfortable at Lakewood. And especially given how Raph reacted to her at the end of her free skate, just handing off her skate blades and not even looking at her and how he treated her in the kiss and cry, it definitely seems like Raph is choosing a side here and is not being a mediator in the situation between Mariah and Insu. And I really hope she finds a new training camp. Yeah, that was so uncomfortable. Like, and then people were saying, oh, that's just Raph's way of like expressing disappointment. And I was like, okay, First of all, Unsu did not actually have that rough of a free skate. Like, she fell once, but look at the skate that she had at Four Continents. It was way rougher than the free skate. And then when she got off the ice, Raph still gave her a hug, and you could hear him, like, on the camera saying, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, I know you did your best. And then she actually had what was comparably a much better skate at Worlds, and he just didn't even look at her when she got off the ice. Like, even when he was handing her her blades, he was facing in the complete opposite direction. And it was... It's just super, super uncomfortable to witness a coach behaving in such a hostile manner towards their skater on camera. I just really hope that the situation is fully investigated and all of the facts come out because in either way, I think that Unsu should move to a different coach. Yeah, I hope that wherever she goes, she's able to feel comfortable in her training environment and able to speak out if something like this arises. How are they going to clean up? They've got a dozen girls to do it. Okay, let's jump straight into talking about the competition that happened this weekend. The 2019 World Figure Skating Championships taking place in Saitama, Japan. The final major competition of the season. So, for the ladies, our medalists were Alina Zagitova in gold. Uh, Elizabeth Tersenbaeva in silver, and Evgenia Medvedeva in bronze. Oh man, the ladies event just like, I feel like shaved off 10 years of my life again, as it usually does. Yeah, it was like 4 in the morning. I was like, am I really watching this right now? 
the thing is that really made me so sad about the ladies event is that especially in the last group last couple groups there were some really good skates like overall skating wise this was one of the better events for the ladies there weren't that many complete disasters it was really solid yeah it was a good a well skated event but because the scoring was so wild i i have such a negative impression of what happened it's like the complete opposite of what happened last year which was a complete meltdown and a lot of the top ladies in the free skate and then a podium that i was fairly happy with you know but here i was like fairly happy with most of the skates but the podium, I didn't think was right, so. I really hate that the scoring is marring our view of such a, what should have been a really good event. Right. I would go back and watch, like, some of these skates because I thought that they were, like, the, some of the best skates of the season, but because the judging was so terrible, yeah, I have such a negative impression of what happened. Yeah, I mean, Alina has had an awful season. And she really needed the skates that she produced here. And so I'm really happy for her. But the scoring is just so wow. The GOEs on, that she gets on her jumps. I, I, I can, And then the PCF. I, I do not understand. It's because she has all those amazing transitions going into them. And that's all the judges see. They're like, oh, the transitions are so complicated. It deserves plus five. Judge five gave her a plus five on her opening double axle, even though it was way off axis. And three judges gave her plus fours. And I would pay her choreographers to stop giving her moves that are doomed to never be fully completed or held for even a second. I'll foot half the bill, honestly. Really? It must be such a huge waste of energy to get your leg up to your ear for a Y spiral, but never fully extend your leg and then drop it. And the thing is with her is that it doesn't feel like she knows why she's doing it. She's just told to do it and she does it and then like... It feels very just trained and not natural. For like her, for her Carmen program, it feels like she's just going through the motions and she isn't embodying like what a Carmen program should be. Like, compare her Carmen program to Mikhail Koyada's and like the quality and like the performance are so different. I think she's just, she looked quite nervous. I mean, she's looked really nervous at basically all of her events over the past season but especially when she skates to this free skate her face looks oddly blank it's almost like she's trying to just kind of remember like what moves go where and it's almost like it's like putting a puzzle together because she's got so much to remember yeah i would honestly cut out like half of the transitions in her program so she can like hold the position and like go through the full movement of something because she'd still get like top scores in transitions even if she did that Again, I feel really bad that I, I have such a negative impression of Alina's performance just because I was happy that she skated clean. Like I was so I was like, oh, thank goodness and relieved. But because of like the scores, it just makes me so bitter. Speaking of another another Russian skater who's been struggling all season and has not been producing the results she wants, but then skated clean and got a redemptive skate. Evgenia. I'm like really, really happy for Evgenia. I think she probably needed this more than Alina because she needed to prove her qualification to Worlds on the Russian team since she was kind of controversially selected over Elizaveta Tsitsimisheva. And she was able to prove herself with a clean skate. But the score she got was, again, so 
far beyond what she should have gotten that, again, I, I just have such a negative impression of what happened. I think when it comes to both of them, again, I'm just really, really glad that they were able to have good skates here because neither of them have had the best season. And especially when you look at who's coming up in Russia into seniors next season, like the girls with the quads, they this is really something they needed was to prove that they could still contend with the current senior field. And I think both of them definitely prove that here. But Russia's field is so insane at this point that it's really like, even though they did so well here, I think it's going to be really be a free-for-all in terms of lady spots next year. Because, like, Alina, like, we say she's had a rough season, and she has, because, like, you know, the, the Olympic season, I don't think she missed once until Worlds. But she hasn't placed lower than second internationally anywhere this season. And the only time she was off the podium was at her own nationals. So that's the competition that they have domestically coming up. So in that sense, I'm really just relieved, even more than glad, that they were able to deliver here, knowing the pressure that was on them. But like Kat said, I just, I don't understand how there's Alina and Yevgenia are scoring four points and two points above Satoko in PCS. I don't understand it. It's just really conflicting that like, especially Evgenia, like she's back to getting her insane GOE and PCS that she doesn't quite deserve considering she was super tentative in both performances. Like in the past, she, I felt like she skated a lot freer like, she didn't have anything to prove, but here she definitely was trying to prove her, you know, her spot on the world team. So she was skating really careful and tentative. She's still not getting great flow out of her jumps. They're super labored and slow, but she's still getting rewarded really high PCS despite the fact that she's been holding back a lot in her performance. Yeah, agreed. I also don't think that her free skate really suits her, and I've thought this all season, and her just her being so tentative here really sold that on me, especially since she's competing against Otoko Miyahara, who also does a tango for her free skate, and the performances between the two were worlds apart for me. Oh my god, I try to forget Satoko's PCS. She scored the lowest out of the Japanese ladies, too. Blows my mind. Giving Satoko nines in PCS is criminal. Anything below that is just fl flat out incomprehensible. She should just be winning PCS in every single competition. Especially in performance and interpretation. Like, nobody sells a character, sells a program like Satoko Miyahara. Her performance and interpretation is miles ahead of every other lady in the field. She just commits to her programs like no other skater. Her every single movement, we talk about how Alina is over choreographed and like over transitioned, etc. But every single movement that Satoko does is there's a meaning to it. And she holds every position and she just is so beautiful to watch. I can watch Satoko Miyahara just skate all day i could just watch her like stroke honestly like do stroking exercises but like i feel like in the past even though yevgenia was quite overscored it almost didn't make that much of a difference because there weren't that many people back when she first became a senior who could really contend with the lay like the tech layout of her programs so it was almost like yes she was very overscored but at the same time i feel like she would have won even if she had not been so overscored but like at this event Yevgenia kicked Rika off the podium by 0.31 of a point and Yevgenia received 9.18 in skating skills 
and 9.21 in both composition and interpretation in her free skate, whereas Satoko did not break 9 in any of the PCS categories. It seems really egregious to me because, in my opinion, her skating skills should be mid to high 8s at best on a good day because she doesn't utilize her edges effectively or consistently enough to be breaking 9. And again, like Yogita was saying, I just, I'm not sold on this program in particular for her, and I don't feel like she's really sold on it either. I feel like the performances, even the best performances we've gotten out of her from this program have been kind of lukewarm because she's been so focused on just landing the jumps. And I think that had her PCS been scored more accurately as a reflection of the skating that she was delivering on that day, Rika would have been on the podium. And deservedly so. Yeah, I mean, ladies can be incredibly frustrating to watch because it's as if the judges are doing the exact opposite of what they seem to do in the men's. Because in the men's, they'll selectively score to lift skaters up to meet a competitor that is skating at a higher level than everyone else to make the competitions closer. And in ladies, they seem to just selectively score to raise a few up higher so that they're harder to beat and to make the field less tight. The gap between Coyote and Alina after the short program should not have been as wide as it was. Um, Coyote's uh, program components being stuck in the high eights when her speed and flow across the ice is incredible and her program is so well constructed and well performed just makes no sense to me. You know, she might have less in transitions, but the transitions she does perform are at a higher degree of quality than Alina's, in my opinion. And the same goes for Satoko. She might have less transitions going in, but all of them are performed at such a high level of quality that it should make up for the lack of not being overstuffed because what Alina lacks and in a way what Adrenia used to lack maybe not so anymore is the quality because there's no room to do that kind of quality and this is I think where having the PCS corridor kind of drives me insane just because like you said someone that has a ton of transitions and are stuffing their programs with transitions should technically be reason for their composition score going down. But because there's just, we just have this PCS corridor, we just kind of blanket everyone's PCS and roughly the same range with just a couple of adjustments here or there, that's not going to happen. So yes, maybe Kaori and Satoko should get higher in transitions. Their composition score should be way up. Yeah, I just want to revisit something about Kaori. She got 8.89 in skating skills for her short, but a 9.25 in the free. And Kaori didn't magically become a better skater in two days to have an almost like 0.5 increase in her skating skills. This just it's clearly evidence that the judges have no clue how to actually judge for program components. I think part of the problem is that they have so much to look at in a split second and they are pulled in so many different directions and there was a solution to this that was proposed when they were looking at introducing new rules and it was shut down and I think that was a big, big mistake. The IJS is too much for judges to do all at once. 
they should have gone for splitting the panel so that there was one jury for the GOE, one jury for the technical, and one jury for the PCS because the judges at the moment doing trying to apply a grade of execution and trying to judge the program components just can't do that, not well. And that's why we have the PCS corridor and that's why we have judges just kind of throwing GOE out there. Yeah, and going off of that, you can really see this, especially in the ladies' free skate, because there was not a single edge call given in the ladies' free skate. <laughs> Despite the fact that some of the ladies have well-known issues with their edge jumps that manifested in the ladies' free skate. So you can see Evgenia's fluts. Um, Alina has a flat edge on her LUTs, if not a flutz, and also her triple LUTs, triple loop was noticeably under-rotated on both jumps, which was not called, and Mariah Bell also has a flutz and an under-rotation problem on the triple toe of her triple-triple combinations, which was not called, and there was, the, the final ladies' result was so close among the top four that accurately calling these edges and under rotations would have made a difference in the standings. And that's the most frustrating part about it, is that if we as fans can go back on the replays and see by eye that these are problems, then the judges should be able to do so as well, given that they're sitting there in the arena and have the ability to play back the program as many times as they want. We need to talk about Elizabeth Tersenbaeva and her quads alcow. So yeah, Elizabeth Tersenbaeva of Kazakhstan landed the first ratified quad by a senior lady. So that happened. It got positive GOE, which blows my mind because other than the fact that she landed it, it didn't really hit any of the GOE bullets. Uh, it had nice heightened distance, but that was it for me. And she landed it forward as well, which would have gone into the weak landing deduction. It didn't get called under rotated, which it was. But even without that call, I would have given it minus one GOE, and that would have kicked her off the podium. It was definitely just the shock factor of her landing on her feet and, you know, rotating four times in the air, but also not really four times in the air, because it was, if you slow it down, it was actually pre-rotated by at least 180 degrees. Like, her foot doesn't leave the ice until she's already made a half turn into the jump. And pre-rotation isn't penalized under the current scoring system, so, you know, under the ISU's rules, this should not have factored into her GOE. But in my opinion, if you're pre-rotating by 180 degrees or more, you should be deducted in GOE. Because it just does a disservice to the skaters with clean technique who have minimal pre-rotation, where you can, like, complete half a rotation before you even get off the ice. Like, that just doesn't seem fair to me. Yeah, that is actually a rule for pre-rotation. It's just that apparently they completely ignore it. It is supposed to be that if the jump is visibly leaving the ice with a forward takeoff when it's supposed to be a backwards takeoff jump, then you are supposed to give it an under-rotation call. And they don't do that. If you look at Elizabeth's actual jump she was facing forwards when her foot left the ice and so she should have got the under rotation call and if it was under rotated on the landing as well she should have got a downgrade listen we can't even trust the judges to look at just the landing Le never mind the <laughs> landing and the takeoff like we're asking a little bit too much but that's the job of the tech panel the tech panel their their sole job is to look at these jumps and 
determine whether or not they are rotated. There's three of them. They can figure it out. There's three people calling jumps, so... And they have the ice scope! Yeah! Yeah, they have no excuse this time. <laughs> I, I don't think they're allowed to use ice scope, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just so devastating considering, you know what was at stake for the Japanese ladies here at this world. I'm so, so sad for Rika, I think, just because she just had such insane pressure on her shoulders, like undefeated season internationally during her first senior season at home worlds. That's just some crazy amount of expectation. And unfortunately, she did have that pop um, triple axel in the short program that put her so far behind. And I definitely, I I definitely was not expecting her to win after that pop because you you could you, she could not climb that deficit unless Alina completely melted down. I'm convinced that David Wilson sabotaged her with that short program. <laughs> <laughs> David Wilson strat- uh, does that for all of the Japanese ladies. Yeah, I I'm just. She can't skate to mellow stuff like this if she wants to do the triple axel. She's popped so many triple axels in the short program, but she's attempted every single triple axel if she didn't plan like to change it to a double axel. She hasn't popped any in the free skate, even if she's like fallen or failed on some of them. I just feel like because the music puts her in like a mentality that prepares her to like fight for the triple axel, whereas it that doesn't happen in Claire de Lune at all. So I, I feel so bad because honestly, so many factors were at play here that caused Rika to miss out on this podium. She was in the second to last group, but if Mariah's under rotation in the short program had been called, she would have been in the final group. And that would have probably helped her her components as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. She was off the podium by 0.31. The, the only correct thing that the judges did in the ladies' competition was that Kaori won the skating skills score in the free skate. <laughs> that was the single thing the judges did correctly. It's just really sad that, again, such a well-skated event ended up being such a nightmare to remember and recall because judges... Let's move on to the only valid event at this competition. We need to talk about something happy. Let's talk about the Paris events. In gold, uh, Sui Wendian Hansong of China. In silver, Yevgenia Tarasova and Vladimir Morozov of Russia. And in bronze, Natalia Zabiako and Alexander Embert, also of Russia. I'm just going to say, everyone can thank me for this victory. Because apparently the price I had to pay for Sui and Han winning and becoming two-time world champions was my internet conking out literally as they were getting announced on the ice and i guys i felt like i was having an aneurysm because so much was happening like the chat was going really really fast my twitter feed was going really really fast and i was like should i try to figure out how like what's going on with my internet should i like go back and watch the performance or like see what's going on like i was i was just so overwhelmed at that moment and then people started messaging me like oh my god they won and i had to be like i haven't seen it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah oh my goodness like there was, I'm just so, so relieved because there was so much doubt about Swain Han going into this event because last week Chinese media reported that Wen Jing was injured during practice for the show they did in North Korea right after Four Continents. Um, she injured her lower back practicing a twist, I believe, and they were off the ice for 10 days. And given how untrained they were at Four Continents and how devastating even missing one day of on-ice training is, I was really really concerned because this is a pretty big setback and their coaches were giving interviews like 
we just told them do your best don't worry about the results and that made me really really nervous so <laughs> i'm just i'm glad that they were able to skate two clean programs here they were they were truly the saving grace of this entire event yeah i will say though i was not very happy with how star order seemed to influence a lot of the scoring in not just the paris event just in general because um, Sway and Han's world ranking is quite low due to the fact that they've missed so much competition the past few seasons. And as a result, they were forced to skate last in group three out of five. Um, and they skated a perfectly clean short program, not maxed levels. Um, guys, fix your death spirals, please. Thanks. Um, but their components were in the low nines, ranging from 825 to 925, which drives me insane. Because when they're clean, I think that they should just win every single component mark, even if I could make a case for Tarasov and Morozov being ahead or tied on skating skills. And I was so sure that they'd broken 80 when they skated. But because they skated last in the free, oh, thank God, they skated last in the free. Um, they had components that ranged from 9.25 to 10s. But they ended up second in all PCS categories in the short program, which if it's skating skills, like Taras and Morozov have amazing skating skills, but like performance and interpretation, like in composition, I don't think, I don't agree with that at all. I think that Taras and Morozov lack the organic chemistry between each other and the music. And basically what I'm saying is that Swain Han should earn baseline 9.5 in every component. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're right and you should say it. But yeah, I love that we got to see the iScope stats for for pairs too. I was not expecting that. Actually, I was just not expecting to get ice scope at all for worlds. All hail Japan. Right? At all of their competitions. Like they're the reason why we have the tech box with like the actual elements in them because they did it at Grand Prix Final last year and it just kept for the rest of the season. Thank goodness. I love it. I love it. It was just, yeah, really interesting to see some of the stats on the throws. Yeah, I literally run down to my dad to be like, oh my god, he just threw her like 18 meters. I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was really, really surprised um, at like the distance that Swain Han got on their throw triple flip, which validates my opinion that they have the best throw triple flip in the world. Like, it was 6.16 meters. Like, most of them are like 4 to 5 meters. Um, and that throw plus Tarasova Morozov's throw triple loop which was incredible had the greatest distance and I was surprised actually about the flip because throws with the toe pick usually just go up and not across so I would have expected their throw style to get more distance but it didn't so that was really cool to see let's speak about the other Chinese pairs yes. team <laughs> Hang and Jin short is probably my favorite short program from the pairs of the entire season and uh, the fact that they were a fully rotated triple Sal away from getting bronze it just causes me anxiety. Listen, Sal's are cursed for the Chinese pair girls. They're cursed for everybody, as we will talk about. <laughs> Sal's are snakes. We don't like them. They don't go here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> although although I sacrificed something to the Sal gods for Wenjing landing that Sal in the free. Because I was like... Yeah, you sacrificed <laughs> Yuzuru's Sal. We really gotta she be more specific all... next time. <laughs> she used up all the good Sal energy <laughs> in the universe because that that triple Sal really was like everyone pulling, pulling all of their energy for her to land that because you could see as soon as she landed her face just lit up and like she was like yes and yeah that was just that was just such a such a good moment but yeah Peng and Jin I was so 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 sad about them because 
They were another one of those teams that was held down, I think, by the skate order because they were also in the second to last group, uh, not the last group. And they were fifth in components in the short in the short program, which is like what? That is just complete ridiculousness. Like back to the to the PCS corridor, I hate it so much. Peg and Jin's short deserve to like get like performance and interpretation scores in the nines. Like they completely sell oh, that program. Like that program, it was made for them. As I said, it was my, it's my favorite of the Paris sh- short programs this season. I'm sorry, Suyin Han, but <laughs> you no, know, no, no, it's. It's such a good program. And, like, it's one of those programs I can go back and rewatch over and over and over because it's so memorable and remarkable. And even if some of their other components should be in the eights, I think that their skating skills are correctly placed, etc. Their performance and interpretation should be in the nines. Yeah, especially at this competition. There was something about, like, I've seen this program a lot now. Like, I, I've seen it three times live, and I thought that world still was the best performance of that. Like, that was definitely, like, they skated with so much freedom and speed and energy. There was just something really special about that performance. And I was so heartbroken when I saw their expression after their free skate because they looked so pleased with themselves for skating pretty clean. And when they saw their score in the free skate, I think they kind of knew that the door was open for someone else to push them off the podium. And they probably realized that the Sal was under-rotated and cost them the bronze. They're the they're the bronze medalist in my heart. Truly. I was like, really, now the tech panel starts calling under-rotations? Like, <laughs> right? like, I mean, like, we're all for fair judging. No, definitely call them, but call them consistently. Yeah, call it, but be consistent, y'all. Peng and Jin, it's okay. Come back next season and claim your world bronze. I mean, if anything, the band that sings their short program song owes them money because I have been humming that all weekend. Oh God, same. They're the only reason I know who who sings it, like the Lumineers, right? <laughs> yeah, I have had that song on, on replay on my Spotify. Like, they're getting so many replays for me. Yeah, same. <laughs> you owe them royalties, Lumineers. <laughs> Obviously, we got to talk about uh, Trasma Morozov in second place. I was really happy for them. Like they had a really good competition after a season of inconsistencies where they really should have been winning a lot more than they did. But some of their scoring on the GOEs, on the jumps, and in the in the free program and their PCS in the short program drive me insane. But overall, because they skated relatively clean, I was just really, really relieved for them that they were able to perform well uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, they definitely deserved having their two clean programs after having fought, especially fighting this free skate all season, have finally having a clean free. Which is really sad because this is probably my favorite of their free programs, even if their expression is still rather blank. They are super duper technical and they have some of the best elements in the world. Well, we do have to talk about James and Cipre. That was that was a hard one. Yeah. Really hard. They performed so well all season and you knew that the pressure was on for them to deliver again at Worlds. So I I feel like there's no way that that wasn't weighing on their minds, at least a little bit, in addition to what happened during the warm-up. Yeah, so Vanessa, James, and Mateo Garisic collided during the six-minute warm-up before the short program, and I think she actually fell. Or he, like, kind of caught her as she was falling, and yeah. it definitely rattled both of them. I mean, as, you know, it would, and then 
in the short program, Morgan ended up doubling on their triple sows, and then Vanessa fell and threw a triple flip. So two huge mistakes, unfortunately, that you really can't afford to have in the short program where there aren't that many elements, and it just buried them, and it was really unfortunate. It was really an unfortunate end to the stellar season for them, especially since they came in with such high hopes. However, I also thought that they were overscored in the free. Agreed. Oh yeah, I did too. They were a lot more tentative in this program than I've ever seen them perform. And I love this program to pieces. But I didn't see or feel the usual energy I get from their performances. And that's what really sells them as a team. They don't have the strongest skating skills, but their performance and interpretation is usually some of the best. Yeah, and their packaging. I think that they're really... They should... Give, be given credit for being really innovative with their music choices and artistic choices, um, even though their skating skills and elements may not be at the level of the other top teams at the moment. Like they're they're solidly, I think, third in terms of the top pairs right now, but they haven't really faced much stiff competition because Swain Han have been out with injury and Tarasov and Morozov haven't been competing to their fullest potential and both teams were at were on their A game at Worlds so they really could not afford so many mistakes and that is what cost them being on the podium yeah and the judges really wanted them to be on the podium they as did. you could see mm-hmm. from their free skate because you could tell that they realized that the podium was probably still in reach so they were really trying to concentrate on their tech elements and as a result just didn't perform the program to the same degree that we saw like at Skate Canada or at Grand Prix Final. But that massive score was really telling, I think, of the reputation they've gained over the past season as a top Paris team. And like on the bright side, even though, you know, they came here to win and unfortunately they didn't get on the podium, at least they're not going to retire. Yeah. Like <laughs> Their, you know, their intention is to compete until they win Worlds. So I really hope that they can kind of take this as a learning experience and take the off season to really drill whatever short program they end up with next season because that's where they've been faltering. Just, just get Charlie White to choreograph both of their programs <laughs> next season. That's, yeah, that's the secret <laughs> to success. Yeah, and I also just want them to like work on their skating skills some more. Yeah, agreed. Their consistency has definitely pushed them up in the judges' minds in terms of PCS because they were still third in PCS right after Sway and Han in the short program, even though they had two major mistakes. So the judges clearly are willing to push for them if they perform really well. And, you know, had one of the top teams faltered in the free, they easily could have kind of snuck their way back onto the podium yeah they were third in the free yeah so hopefully next season again they work on their refinement I think you can clearly tell that they're not as fast their elements are not as well polished throws aren't as don't have as much speed going out twist isn't as high there are things for them to work on and I hope that we do see that and they can really compete with the top top teams. Agreed. Like the growth that we've seen from them in the past few years has been incredible. So I know that they can do it. And I, I think that they will use this placement here as motivation to do it. And they also now have this season of growth behind their back because I think um, this season was a lot of trying to adjust to being one of the top teams in the world. Because in the past, like, They'd never even made Grand Prix Final, and then they won Grand Prix Final this season. You know, they 
didn't even make um, the Euros podium last year, and now they've won Euros. We don't talk about the Euros podium last year. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, great segue, because speaking of teams that snuck their way onto the podium and barely kicked someone off, (laughs) yeah, Zabiaco and Embert, they were the ones that kicked off James and Cipre at Euros last year. (laughs) I point oh one points. Anyway, (laughs) I think their short program is fun, but I don't remember their free skate for my life. They have weird packaging in the short program. Like, it's very Renaissance Fair. I like it. I stand by that. I think there needs to be more programs where you're just like, what the hell am I watching? It's like, yeah, this is kind of uncomfortable but i kind of like it it's like watching the junior pairs <laughs> yo the junior pairs are so much more fun <laughs> senior pairs take some lessons from junior pairs on how to construct your programs i just remember the weird vague fake sword fighting choreo in the short program. yeah you're like are they fighting each other are they fighting together i'm not really <laughs> sure and i quite like that i think it's really good fun but i have no idea what their free skate is i remember the tune of it because it's like a very wailing lady singing um <laughs> I, I remember the tune of it and i'm not going to sing it because well, I'm, yeah i'm not going to subject you to that oh come on do it but i do really like the other Russian pairs team. Honestly, compared to Zabiako and Envert, who, in my opinion, are really similar to Tarasov and Morozov, as in they, they have gorgeous elements and they have beautiful lines, but like they have zero chemistry and connection to the music. I am not sure why their PCS are so high because I really, really preferred Boykova and Kozlovsky, and this is a, only their first senior season. They're fresh off juniors. They have such gorgeous elements. They're spins are so in sync she has gorgeous balletic lines and her free leg extension and flow out of the throw triple sal oh my god i think that they express way better than the other teams yeah i think they i mean because they're so new to the senior stage and they're so young i think they still have a ways to go in terms of really connecting with each other and convincing us of that but i feel like just separately both of them have such like youthful spunky energy that they're just really fun to watch they're like a breath of fresh air after, you know, watching Rock 2 for, like, the 12th time in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on to Ice Dance. The medalists were, we have world champions, four-time world champions, Gabriela Papadakis and Guillaume Cizeron. In silver, we have Victoria Sinitsina and Nikita Katsalabov. And in bronze, we have Madison Hubble and Zachary Donahue. Well, Ice Dance happened. That's the summary of this event. I'm glad that I slept through most of the rhythm dance and I woke up right before Stepana Van Buchen. <laughs> <laughs> they blessed the event. Was the tech panel just asleep? Yes. <laughs> what? What was going on? I saw that, that, like, what, the top seven teams at that point had all had perfect Tango Romanticas. Yeah, I was like, somehow I really doubt that. Seven of the top eight teams had the same base value because they got, like, pl- like all their levels etc and i was just that is a lie that is the biggest lie i've ever seen in my life yeah none of these teams have skated a clean tango romantic all season and then they magically all do it at worlds like no i don't think so that doesn't make any sense to me either but the podium placement is correct if only just not one place like i think that gold and silver (laughs) were correct but i don't think that maddie and zach should have been bronze i mean the bronze medals are fake at this world yes yeah we don't, yeah. We don't believe in bronze medals we only care about pewter medalists here <laughs> right but in terms of the tango romantica i think that the top two teams were scored correct 
for the most part, um, I think maybe Papadakis is their own world overscored, but they still should have won it. Sinitsino and Katsalapov have far and away the best rhythm dance, I think. They they both have good rhythm dances, but Sinitsino and Katsalapov have a really, really good one. And I was surprised, actually, that they managed to hold on to second, even though they skated first in the second-to-last group. But they did do really, really well, and... They should have been in second. Like, you could make an argument for first, but Nikita's twizzles were a bit off. Yeah, so I feel like third place was more controversial because Stepana Bambukin did have clean skates and got their levels. But I guess their skating skills and selling of the pattern wasn't as strong. Like, they see, they've really struggled with their levels on the pattern all season. And so I feel like they were really just trying to make sure they got, like, all the steps and weren't really focused on the performance, and that showed in the way that they skated it. I feel like their PCS should be really high up in the performance and interpretation, though. The reason why I feel so strongly about this is because they have such a weird rhythm dance. It doesn't feel like a tango at all, and I don't think it would work on any other team. I don't think I would like this rhythm dance on any other team, but they perform it so well, and they sell it to me so much. Like, their facial expressions are giving me so much energy that I'm like, yes, I'm giving you all the tens on interpretation and performance execution. I do feel like the Italians should have been much higher than seven. Oh my god, yes. The Italians are the probably the, the best technicians in this field. They are. They are. And I remember at Grand Prix Final being the most impressed with them because before Grand Prix final I had been a little bit more lukewarm on them because I felt like they were overscored one time because they had a fall and they still got like tons of nines yes that that still blows my mind yeah that but then I was so impressed by them at Grand Prix final watching them in practice they're so so fast watching them live their edges are so deep on that pattern like Barbara Fuserpoli was definitely like, you guys have to nail this pattern to compete. She didn't let them out of the rink until they could do it with their eyes closed. Yeah. Clearly. It's just really sad that they're not getting rewarded for that. But part of it might just be due to the fact that this is kind of their breakout season. They weren't really that well known because Italy already had Anna and Luca who have now retired. And so now these two are in the spotlight. So I'm hoping that next season they can really push forward more and get better programs i would have had them fourth after sipana bambukin in the rhythm dance uh, weaver and poje who were fifth definitely should have been knocked down to around eighth place just above hawaii can baker their twizzles as usual uh were extremely shaky their pattern was also not as well executed as the others they had flat rockers and caitlin's step to the right back outside edge in the second section was flat again similar to how she messed up at four continents when she also was not called uh, at the very least they shouldn't have been in the final uh, free skate group and i find it really amusing because i was watching on british Eurosport and the commentators were wondering at the rhythm dance oh i wonder if their scores are going to be knocked down because they spent the first half of the season touring and the ayashi won't like that and it's like well they shouldn't be punished for touring they should be punished for not 
actually skating the way that they're supposed to be skating. Yeah, agreed. A hundred percent. And Weeb and Poche do have pretty good skating skills, so that's, I don't know, due to lack of practice or something, but yeah, either way, I don't think that they should have been in the final group. And as far as the top teams go, Hawaii and Baker definitely have the weakest Tango Romantica. They've been weak on it all season long. They got two level threes, and I probably would have given them a level one on the first part because their rockers looked flat to me. And then John Luke also had the unclear edges on the second key point, which they called. I don't know. I'm frustrated because I think that now that Canada also has Fournier, Beaudry, and Sorensen, I think that like these two teams are kind of at the same place competitively. Like they're kind of fighting for who can come out on top. And I definitely think that the Canadians are much stronger skaters right now than Hawaii and Baker. Um, and they should have been ahead. Talking about Papadakis and Cizerone, Full confession, I did not watch the Rhythm Dance Live because I decided that I actually needed to sleep at some point during the week and it might as well be during (laughs) Ice Dance because it was going to make me mad anyway. So I'm like, I woke up and I just looked at the scores and I was like, what? There were eight scores over 80. Yeah, I was like, can I even be mad that their scores are so high anymore just given how ridiculous it is? Like, they scored, there were judges who gave them 90 in the Rhythm Dance when you broke it down, like, by judge. Yep, I think 91's full score, right? Something like that. And it's, like, obviously coming in, unless they, like, you know, some disaster happened, there was no chance that they weren't going to win this thing. But I think giving them such a ridiculously high score in the Rhythm Dance really sends a message that no team is anywhere close to even being able to contend with them. So don't even try. And I'm like, I just, I really question whether spacing out the field like that is a good idea. It's the complete opposite of what happens in the men's. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is with ice dance is that I think that Papadakis and Cicerone are solidly the best ice dance team in the world. Agreed. Agreed. Like, they shouldn't be, you know, six points clear of, like, two through seven. They should be maybe, like, three points clear, four points clear. I would give them that. But... Yeah. Like, I don't understand the the point in overinflating them to this degree the first year of a new scoring system of a new olympic cycle but they would win anyway like they don't need this inflation to win they would win like on their own merit if you know all the scores were judged fairly it's frustrating but i'm also not i just feel more resigned to it than i am like angry and upset because i'm like well i guess this is what it's what's going to happen at least they have the technique and interpretation to match do we want to talk about hubble and donahue can we can we not let's, let's talk about it it was a match. oh man we we do have to talk a little bit about it because i'm really upset about hubble and donahue placing over stevanov and Bukin in the free skate i was so sure i was so sure that if the final group had gone clean they would have just gone with the the standings from the short program as the final podium result. I was just so, so sad when I saw it. Like, Stepanova and Bukin killed it in the free dance. Like, they had the best free dance of that final group. And yeah, their skating skills should be on the lower side, but their performance and interpretation should have been so high. And they skated totally clean with all level fours. And I was like so excited. I was like, oh my God, they're going to do it. But then I saw that their technical score was going down and I was like, no. And then I was thinking oh man, they're definitely going to give the PCS edge to Maddie and Zach, which is, no. Hubble and Donahue's free dance, oh my god. Oh my god, that was such a travesty. I didn't think their free dance could get worse, and it did. It has gotten so much worse. Like, oh my goodness. The ending music cut 
was just so strange and chaotic and they said that they changed the ending so it was more triumphant and happy and would kind of inspire the crowd to be more excited like it was probably like the same move that Bertrand Moyer pulled with their Moulin Rouge to like make the ending really happy and triumphant instead of like dead but it was just so abrupt and it made no musical sense like I don't know who cut that music and was like this is a good idea we'll slap on some like happy triumphant music in the last 20 seconds like that'll do it they keep trying to be Virtue more but they're not Virtue more and especially with a program like Romeo and Juliet what makes me so sad about this though is that Hubble and Donahue were always seen as like kind of the fresh team that was you know that picked cool music and were innovative and they were really tall and statuesque and powerful and they have this cool energy about them but this free dance just made them so stale and it makes me so mad that this kind of lack of I don't know musical creativity is was being rewarded all season because this was more or less their breakout season because they are now you know, among the top dancers in the world. And this free dance just was not it. It just really wasn't. And to see it constantly get rewarded was just driving me bad. Honestly, I really wish I was better at like actually calling levels for dance because I don't believe that Hubble and Donahue had max base value. They had, they all got all level fours. And this is the team that had said in interviews that they were focusing more on the performance aspect than trying to get all the levels. This is a team at Grand Prix Final who had the lowest base value of all the teams. And still won. They realized they couldn't get by on level twos anymore, I guess. I mean, I think I think Four Continents scared them because they were like, oh, like the judges are actually going to call our levels. The technical controller was David Molina, who is known to be, you know, friendly with the Gadbois people. So... I was a little bit hesitant to to think that Hubble and Donahue weren't going to make the podium. So there was a lot of politics at play here. That's the best description of Ice Dance. It's just a mess and everything is determined by politics and not by actual skating. Okay, well, let us move on to our last event, the men's, which didn't happen. The men didn't happen. That- didn't happen. This is where the real salt begins. This is Gina's time to shine, y'all. Yeah, I'm gonna sit back because I think I unleashed all of my salt. <laughs> Grab some snacks and just sit back and enjoy. Well, for the men's, we have in gold, Nathan Chen. In silver, Yuzuru Hanyu. And in bronze, Vincent Joe. This is why US nationals inflation was a bad thing and did actually matter. Um, I knew as soon as I saw the protocols from US nationals that the international scores would follow the same trend. And here we have Nathan getting high nines across his PCS for programs and performances that just do not have high nines in PCS. I'm not saying he's bad or average. He's good and he's very good in certain components. I think especially in his short program, his short program I think he can hit excellent in some of the criteria for the interpretation and performance. But by the ISU definition, he should be getting high eights, not high nines. Just for clarification, when I'm using words like good and very good and excellent, I'm talking about the way these words are used in the ISU handbook to evaluate components. They're, they're so specific. No room for confusion at all. Nope. No room for subjectivity or anything like that. No, not at all. Uh, so good is supposed to be sevens, very good is eights, and excellent is in the nines. When you have a skater like Yuzuru Hanyu on the field, 
And the judges are going to be as reluctant as they are to award 10s when he's skating at his very best. Then, in my opinion, the whole field needs to take a knock for their component scores to reflect the standard that has been set. You have performances like the 2015 Grand Prix final skate of Seme or the World's 2017 Hope and Legacy, and they got 98 and 97 in PCS respectively. We get that kind of indication that the judges are only really willing to go up to 9.75 with the occasional shy 10 for Yuzuru when he's skating at that level. When we consider that context of PCS in the men's, there is no way that Nathan should be hitting 94 for a performance where the transitions lack variety and difficulty, where the deep edges are scarcely seen, uh, the one foot skating is rare, and there's sections where he is just skating completely over the mu- music. Yeah, I I think Nathan is like a mid-80s PCS skater on a good day. Because like Gina said, there are some things that he does very well, especially in the short program. Like he really sold me on his short program. I've never been sold on any of his programs before. And I think Vincent is a low 80s PCS skater on a good day. And neither of them should be breaching 90 or coming close to it when there are skaters like Yuzuru Hanyu and Shoma and Mikhail Koyada and Jason Brown in the field. And in my opinion, Jason should be getting the highest PCS among the US men and it really should not even be close. But he doesn't have quads, and so he regularly gets lowballed. And for me, I think even more egregious than Nathan's PCS was Vincent's PCS here. Because he got 83 in PCS at Four Continents this year. And by Worlds, his PCS jumped up to 87. And Vincent did not go from a low 80s to a high 80s skater in the span of one month. Like, he just, there's just no way. Like, that translates into nearly a one-point increase across each of the PCS divisions. And like Kat said from seeing him live at Four Continents, his ice coverage is minimal. He's quite slow in person. There's not a lot of one-foot skating or transitions in his programs. Like, I would personally give him high sevens to low eights in skating skills and transitions. Agreed. 83 was already pretty far out when I saw that. Yeah, I would give him, like... 80, like maybe like high 70s overall. I did not watch the men until I woke up right before Yuzu skated. So I didn't even see any of the scores. I missed Shoma too. And I saw Vincent and Shoma were only two points apart. And I was like, what? Like what happened here? I think Vincent's programs this season are probably the best that he's had. And they're really good vehicles for him, I think, to develop artistically and to develop his expression, especially the free skate. But again, they lack choreographic complexity and performance quality of programs that are scoring in the high eights. The one foot skating is basically non-existent with Vincent. There was a time when getting eights in PCS was like a, oh my god, I really like killed it today achievement. Like, remember that Daisuke Takahashi has never gotten above 90 in PCS? Guys, like... (laughs) Yeah, the only way that PCS scoring really makes any sense to me is if the judges are scoring each performance in relation to individual skaters' previous performances rather than assessing the field as a whole or what can be considered excellent or outstanding in the context of the sport in general, considering what we've seen in the past and the standards we have now. Should Vincent Joe really be getting 87 if Daisuke Takahashi can only get 90? 
that's insane. No, Vincent should be getting like 65. Exactly. <laughs> like, and when you look at like the component scores, a 9.5 in skating skills for Yuzuru or Patrick Chan, and a 9.5 in skating skills for Nathan Chen just do not look comparable at all. In this competition, Vincent Joe got 8.82 in skating skills, which was only 0.28 lower than Mikhail Kolyada. There is no way that Vincent is that close to Mikhail Kolyada in skating skills. Oh, of course not. In my opinion, the ranking for PCS should go Yuzuru, Jason Brown, Mikhail Kolyada, Shoba Uno, and then we can have Nathan, and then everybody else. But yeah, those should be the top four. I, I definitely agree with you on that. I just wish that the quality skating was being rewarded where it should be. Uh, Jason Brown's PCS should be up there with Yuzuru's on his best day. And even when he's struggling with his technical elements, his fundamental skills and transitions are at a level where he should be consistently at the top of the US men in components. Nathan still has areas to develop, which is fine and to be expected, and he bridges that gap in the technical, but there's no way that he should be being scored close to Yuzuru and Jason. And Vincent is so way far down below even Nathan for me that him getting the high eights is just ridiculous. And I think my, my biggest issue is that, like, we all complained about U.S. Nats and people were complaining that, oh, no, it won't matter. But this isn't, like, U.S. Nats was the starting point of Nathan's overscoring. No, we've seen this since the Pyeongchang free skate. And we've seen this at World's last season. Like, this is not new. They keep doing this when... Nathan Chen skates clean. Apparently, he becomes suddenly a 90-plus PCS skater. He got a 91 PCS last year at Worlds for his free skate, which I think is way lower in quality than his free skate this season. And that still blew my mind. The judges are consistently sending out this picture that quads equal components, and that is false. I do think that Nathan is getting better at interpreting music and his performance is has improved like leaps and bounds in the past few seasons the thing is though like the impression that i get from his skating very much especially it's really apparent in the choreo sequence is that he does a lot of cool upper body movements to kind of distract you from the fact that nothing is going on down by the blades and so you're kind of fooled into thinking like, oh, this is like really cool. And he's like really selling this to me, but there's still nothing going on while he's skating. And it's really slow too. Like he's giving you a lot of energy too. And so it looks kind of unbalanced as well. He got higher GOE on his step sequence than Yuzuru did in the short. Yeah, okay. I have some thoughts about this. So you cannot tell me that just how rich and complex Ochinao's steps and transitions and edge work and full body movements and one foot skating was not far and away the best of the men's event. And this just goes to show that skating later has an advantage that simply should not exist. I can't believe we're back in the 6.0 system. Yeah, given that the draw for spots within each group is supposed to be random. And honestly, when skating last translates into getting higher scores, what was even the point of getting rid of the ordinal system? Because one of the big issues with 6.0 the, the system before IJS was instated, was that the judges had to rank the skaters in the overall field before all of them had skated. So it was pretty common to lowball the earlier skaters in case the later skaters skated better and then you wouldn't have anywhere to put them if you had put the 
the earlier skaters at a higher score. And so the last skater always had an advantage due to everyone else having already gone. That's the exact same thing that's happening under IJS. So I'm like, what was the point of getting rid of that? Because the point of giving, you know, concrete numbers to score the programs is that it's supposed to be an objective measure of what you did, not relative to anybody else, but what you did on the ice. And yet you see when Nathan is skating after Yuzuru, his scores are inflated. And just comparing them side by side, there is no comparison, especially in the step sequences, in terms of the commitment to the music, and in terms of selling the performance, and in terms of really believing in the character that you're portraying. There is just no way that Nathan should be coming anywhere close to the step sequence scores that user is getting. And it just, it blows my mind, the fact that the judges thought that was an appropriate decision to make. Also, the grade of execution that he gets on his jumps as well brings me a lot of confusion. Like, he has great tech. We all know this. But he has a lot of issues with his landing positions. I don't think he should rarely ever get more than plus three GOE since a good landing position is required to get over that cap. But, like, let's look at his quad flip in his free skate, which had a terrible landing. He ended up getting positive GOE for that. When he, I personally would have given him minus one GOE because of that landing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, Nathan's problem is that his knees are so stiff. And, you know, he's really great going into that jump. He's really good in the air. But he lands and everything comes to a dead stop because his knees just lock up and he's landing that on a straight leg and there is no flow, no speed, no nothing coming out of that jump. It's, it's a shame, and that will also reflect in his skating skills. So he can't get the deep edges because he doesn't bend his knees. Again, it's, like, so sad like because he did so well. Like He definitely deserved to win. This was a very well-deserved win for him. No one is arguing that Nathan did not deserve to win here. The margin by which he won. Even, like, just his win being tainted by just how egregious the scores was is so sad. Because it's like, you genuinely want to be happy. He skated two clean programs. Yeah. He definitely deserved to win. And once again, the judges did this at Worlds last year. Like, I am the first person to say that Nathan deserved to win Worlds last year. But the margin by which he won was ridiculous. I feel really bad because he has improved. And I really wish that I could focus more on the positives and be like, well, I actually really love his short program. I've not enjoyed any of Nathan's programs until this short program. I think he sells it wonderfully. The choreography really works for him. The music really works for him. He seems to listen to that music a lot more than he usually does. I really want to praise him for that. And the free skate really doesn't work for me. But there's still areas where I can see that he's improved and I would really like to focus on that and how good he's been this season and how consistent he's been all season and how he's fixed, he's really worked on his triple axles. But instead, my focus has completely shifted into how rubbish the judging was. Yeah. I've seen some people who do seem to think that Yuzuru should have taken the gold with this free skate, and I don't really agree with that. Realistically, neither the short nor the free were Yuzuru's best. Um, his short 
program is beautiful and he only had one mistake but the mistake was really costly and you could see the nerves and him getting into his head in his performance and I think the same really goes for the free skate it was almost clean and he did a really great job but it was not a hope and legacy level performance right he has shaky landings for sure definitely was holding back a little bit I think just out of caution doesn't matter I was still sobbing through the entire thing oh yeah I did not expect him to actually go clean mostly clean mostly clean four months from injury with a program that he doesn't have the muscle memory for like I was not expecting that at all but I think his scores were were fairly well reflective of his performances Uh, yeah I think user was the most fairly scored person in the men's competition which is to say in reference to the rest of the field underscored yeah, I mean, it's not that anyone is underscored, it's that other skaters are chronically overscored. But even, like, if we go into, like, user's scores in the protocol, some of those judges made zero sense. Like, his quad loop got a range of plus one to plus five GOE from the judges. His quad toe should have gotten unanimous plus five. Agreed. I have no idea what else that kid needs to do. His triple axle in the short should have gotten plus five. Literally, okay, that's like the funniest thing to me because somebody pointed out that when the ISU released like, you know, the plus five minus five, they had like basically like ideal elements that would get plus five and Yuzuru's triple axle was used as an example of a jump. That would get plus five. And then he's actually doing it in front of the judges' faces and they're not giving him plus five. Like, there's literally nothing else that he can do. Like, that's the perfect jump. He needs to add another rotation. That's the only way. Right. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Even if we, like, look at those ice scope stats, like, the height and distance on that, like, his entry and his exit, um, the timing it is to the music, like, it hits every single bullet. I don't know what more that he needs to do. Grade of execution has been all over the place for a while and the changes that they've made have not helped anything at all. This season one of the things that I can constantly see on the protocols is that the judges have no idea how to apply grade of execution. The The language for the GOE features got more vague and the margins got wider for grade of execution and they introduced this rule that you have to have a first three to get plus four or plus five. And it's just led to the judges not really having a consensus on what the positive features even are, when they're met, or how to apply grade of execution once you've decided which bullets are met. And honestly, I think a lot of judges right now need to be retrained or just replaced. And speaking of changes that have happened under the judging system, I want to know how the quad loop does not have a higher base value. It's the most difficult quad of the current quads that are being done. It's so difficult. Like, if you don't even get the highest amount of points for doing the most difficult quad, why on earth would anyone attempt to do this? Unless they have a really good loop, like triple loop. It's so hard to take off from that right back outside edge because you don't have topic assistance to get you into the air. And you start with both of your feet on the ground. So you really don't even have, like, that momentum swinging you up. And so you need to have exceptional speed, takeoff position, rotational speed to be able to get those four rotations. And that's why only one skater in this event attempted a quad loop. And the height that Hanyu gets on his quad loop is remarkable. Yeah, considering like all of those factors that make it so difficult. But it's like there were several skaters who attempted quad lutzes and quad flips to you know varying degrees of success. And both of those have a higher base value under the current judging system. And I'm like, "Mm, if there's only one skater attempting this jump at all, maybe we want to think about whether or not that it should get more points. 
Nathan and Shoba attempted to do it, and then they they have since stopped doing the, the loop. So that should tell you all you need to know. And Yuzu's quad loop is literally a thing of beauty when he lands it. Oh my god, when he was going into the quad loop, like my I was wearing my watch, and my heart rate went up to like from like ninety three to one twenty four. <laughs> in like those 10 seconds that he was going into the quad loop because I was just so nervous because he was missing it like so frequently in practice but yeah the fact that he can pull it off is like crazy I'm just sad that I'm back in the 2016-2017 season where Yuzuru's quad loop and quad sal can't appear at the same time <laughs> oh my gosh why I thought that we were done worrying about Yuzu's quad sal like this entire season I, like ever since the Olympics I was like oh my god his quad sal has really been coming through and then it failed here Javi retired and he took the quad sal with him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what this is this is more proof that Javi just needs to come back <laughs> Yuzu can only land the quad sal while he's competing but yeah I just hope the next season Yuzu can like be healthy because he has so much more that he's capable of and his skill and quality in every single aspect of this sport remains unmatched in my opinion and as long as he's healthy and skating we get the opportunity to see him meet that amazing potential that he has i just think that like the bright side of yuzu winning silver here is that he's definitely not going to retire at least oh no he is fired up what was he was like losing is as good as death he was quoting an anime song i was so mad <laughs> about that i was like chill man like i know it's upsetting but what i'm really distressed about is that he wants to do the quad let's again which was the cause of his injury last season and he mentioned trying to attempt a quad flip which were words i never thought i would hear from yuzuru hanyu let's be real it's not going to be the only quad flip on the field that doesn't quite have the right edge there is no such thing as a quad flip. This entire conversation just makes my blood pressure increase to like <laughs> catastrophic yeah. levels. I'm just like, this kid is going to break himself and he is not going to be able to walk at 35. I'm just like so mad at the judges because they're the ones that are pushing him toward this because they're just saying that these quads equal program components. The press conference honestly broke my heart. Not only the fact that finding out about his condition and how his ankle wasn't even fully healed and he was still on painkillers, like that was all really heartbreaking but also the fact that he thought that him losing meant that he still had more to improve and it's like oh sweetie no <laughs> like, a clean user Rohan, you should get perfect program components that is my belief <laughs> and his grade of execution as well his quality on his elements is far beyond anyone else and it just it, it really does worry me because the kind of injuries that he's had with ligaments ligaments just don't heal the same way that other parts of the body do and especially constantly stressing them out yeah i don't know how i don't know how he's going to do it and it does remind me of the conference where they were bringing in these rules with limiting the quads and stuff and there was someone at that conference who did say to to the isu i think this is dangerous you're going to push these skaters into trying to get more different types of quads so that they can be competitive and you're going to push them to breaking point and the ISU was like eh whatever and now we're seeing it happen you know in fairness he hasn't made a secret of wanting the quad axle because he's been talking about it since the Olympics he's been talking about it since he was like seven <laughs> okay yeah true but he's been you know he's been seriously training towards it 
in the past year or so. I just don't understand the point of that reporter asking him the question right about the quad axle right after he was basically like, oh, my ankle's like completely messed up beyond repair but also like what are you good when are you gonna land the quad axle like oh my god please he promised her she he'd do it in her lifetime beyond that does anyone like especially the judges do they recognize how absurd it sounds that the most well-rounded man in the field currently if not of all time feels that he needs a quad axle to be a gold medal contender like he thinks he needs to land a jump that has never been landed before in order to win when the sheer quality of his pure skating and his elements is so far above everybody else. It just breaks my heart. And it's so just sad and terrifying to watch him push his body to these extremes because the judges aren't willing to reward what he already does so well. All of this is so depressing. Oh my god. And to keep it depressing. My next section is going to be a fun one. Oh, oh boy. So one skater who did not make it onto the podium at this event was Shoma Uno. And this is the first time that he has finished off the podium in 23 events. And there has been some controversy, not unwarranted, that had Vincent's under rotations and PCS been called correctly. Shoma would have been on the podium. So I did some kind of just back of the envelope calculations based on the jumps that Vincent actually did versus the jumps that he was rewarded for at Worlds. And so in the short program, he wasn't called on his quad lutz triple toe, which was noticeably under. And then in the free skate, he was not called on his quad lutz triple toe or on his quad sal, which was to me right on the quarter and so should have been called if not at least reviewed. And so if you add up the deductions that this would have led to, then his overall score would have been at least four points behind Shoma, even before you factor in how ridiculous his PCS was. And it just, it was so heartbreaking to see Shoma's interviews after the free skate where he was saying basically that, you know, he missed the podium because he didn't have the ability to compete with the top men. And I was like, oh no, honey, like, that's Shoma, you're that's still ranked number two in the world. Yeah, he feels like it's, you know, due to his own, like, failings and not due to the judges just not being able to call jumps under-rotated. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And he should have been on that podium. I mean, maybe Vincent really does have issues with his ankles that makes his blade hit the ice early. But if his blade is hitting the ice, he's landing the jump. And if he's still got a quarter rotation left to go... The jump is under-rotated, and it needs to be called. But, you know, Shoma put up a really good fight, and I think the best moment for me was his short program. That come-hither motion at the beginning of his step sequence in his short program, I will hither wherever he wants me to. (laughs) You know, after a season of looking like he was just going through the motions and didn't know what this program was and what he was supposed to do with the choreography, he finally, you know, reached in, found his inner Daisuke Takahashi and got the right energy for that short program. And it was really great to see. I really enjoyed it. But this was not a great competition for him. You know, I think the ankle sprains, the change of boots, you know, there's apparently issues with his hip and possibly his knees and he had the pressure of a home crowd. I think that all played a part. And... Yeah, I don't disagree with his scores, but I do disagree with his placement. I do think that this would give Shoma a good opportunity to reset. He has had a lot of success 
over the past few seasons. But I think he's reached the max point of it. He needs new choreography. He needs new uh, performances and interpretations. And I hope that he takes this as a chance to not think that, oh, I'm not good anymore, but like, where can I improve? And what can I change to be better? I mean, I did see something about Tatsuki Mashida thinking about maybe doing some choreography for some younger skaters. And I'm like, please, pretty please, please help Shoma. Oh my God. I pray that Shoma gets some choreo from someone not Mihoko just because he needs something fresh it's not like he just needs a reset and the good thing for Shoma is that he does have such good like whole body movement and skating skills and he's so attuned to different types of music and has such an expressive way of skating you know even if his facial expression doesn't move his body says everything that he needs to say and I think there's a lot of Japanese choreographers and a lot of choreographers in general that could really help him get a hold of that innate ability and run with it. So I would like to see maybe something good come out of his confidence taking such a beating because it is really heartbreaking to see. And if he does kind of branch out from this, that would be a good result. Maybe this will be, you know, the fire that's really lit under his butt to, like, go out of his comfort zone, in a sense, and seek other ways of improving his skating, aside from going to the jump clinics in the summer. And if he comes back stronger from this, which I think he will, then, you know, maybe it was for the best. Yeah, I mean, he's got such an amazing mentality that, you know, I believe he'll come back stronger, so... I just want to give a shout out to Mikhail and Boyan because they actually did uh, mostly clean free skates. I was so excited to finally have a mostly clean carbon, guys. It was glorious. I was so happy for him and it was definitely something he needed. Unfortunately, he didn't place high enough so the Russian men only have two plus spots now next for next season but do they really need more than two? I was just gonna say like spots next year like really shifted around like if you think the russian like the russian ladies are going to be horrible the russian men is going to be so chill yeah (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i was just so happy for boyang because he his beginning of the season was rough and i know that that's not unusual or unheard of of him to have a really rough first half and then bounce back in the second half but he just sounded so down like mentally in the beginning of the season that I felt like he really needed to do well here in order to, you know, keep his confidence up. And I think it really did. He opened up and said he was feeling really depressed at the beginning of the season, but then he feels like reinvigorated and motivated to keep training. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy. I, I do have one other thing to say about Mikhail. What the hell are you doing doing a triple flip? You don't have a triple flip. The shade. <laughs> I mean, similar to that, but with Boyang, I'm kind of like, I don't really think, especially his free program really works for him. But I do really respect that he is trying to improve his skating without just relying on that which comes so naturally to him, which is being just adorable and charming and cutesy. His Spider-Man program was so 
well received because he was just smiling the whole way through it and having a lot of fun and he could come out and skate to Peppa Pig and it would be so great I know (laughs) (laughs) he's just you see him on social media he's just so adorable and so charming but you know I do really appreciate that he is trying to do something more serious as well so that he's not stuck in just one type of program finally Jason Brown And again, I will reiterate, in terms of skating quality, by far the best in the U.S., one of the best in the world, and he should never be lower than third in PCS at any event. And unfortunately, he did struggle a bit in the free skate here with trying to land that quad sal, and it seemed like it kind of rattled his confidence a little bit for the rest of the program. And he has made some progress, at least in terms of, you know, getting it rotated and not just popping on the takeoff. But unfortunately, because he doesn't have a quad, um, he's really going to struggle to break into the top six of men in the world. Just for him, I think a good aim for him in the offseason would be to really try to solidify those landings and come back strong in the next season and show that he can at least, you know, get one type of quad down pat. And then maybe he'll start getting the PCS he deserves. Jason has a really great triple flip. I think he should try a quad flip. <laughs> he would have the only valid quad flip. Yeah, like, I thought that triple flip in his short program, that should have got plus five. That was amazing. Um, I love that short program. In my opinion, he should have gotten the highest PCS in the short program. Yeah. Sorry, user. I'm going to be really honest. Yeah. We're all going to fan you jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the commander of figure skating right now. And he totally took control. Alright, so shout out of the week, very briefly. The tiny Zambonis at Worlds. Because they were so cute. <laughs> they were so cute. I tuned in during a resurfacing and I was like, what is that? And then people in the chat were like, those are the Zambonis. I was like, but they're so small. They were so cute. Thank you, Japan. Thank you for that brief moan of happiness before Worlds totally, you know, crushed all of our dreams. Crushed all our souls, yes. The Worlds mascot was also very cute. Oh my gosh, did you guys see, like, the gala finale? It was so cute, like, Shoma, like, basically crash-hugged into the mascot and then for the group photo yuzu like was pulling the mascot and trying to get the mascot into the group photo and i was just kind of everyone's kind of watching them like is the mascot coming like it was so cute i think the best part was shoma yelling out the name of the person who was inside it and yuzu being like don't call him that and he just yelled it louder oh my god (laughs) that was happening i thought that was the name of the the mascot and i was like trying to figure out what it was so cute (laughs) thank you for listening we hope to see you again in our next episode which will be about world team trophy if you want to get in touch with us then please feel free to contact us via our website in the or on twitter or tumblr you can find our episodes on youtube itunes google play stitcher and spotify if you enjoy the show and want to help support the team then please consider making a donation to us on our coffee page and we'd like to give a huge thank you to all the listeners who have contributed thus far you can find the links to all of our social media pages and our coffee on the website if you're listening on itunes please consider leaving a rating and a review if you enjoyed the show thanks for listening this has been gina yogita kite and kat see you soon bye bye